0: You are listening to a Monash Christian Union Bible Talk. We encourage you to share this with friends and family, but ask that you do not edit it without the permission of the owners. This Bible Talk is designed to supplement belonging to a local church with its teaching and community, not to replace it. We pray this talk helps you love Jesus and become more like Him. Our Bible reading today is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19-24. to 24. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Thank you so much for
1: reading that. Keep that passage of the Bible open in front of you. It'll be a lot easier to follow along. Let me pray as we begin our time together. Lord of all things, as we come to your word, we pray that it would speak to us by your spirit. May it show us your goodness, your kindness, and your grace. Give us ears to hear and hearts that would respond. Amen. Some of you may have heard that passage before, or maybe heard a sermon on the Sermon on the Mount. I kind of like to think of it as the greatest sermon ever, and I'm speaking on the greatest sermon ever. So, I feel like it's sermonception. <laughs> so, Jesus in this sermon has been speaking about God's people, a changed people of God living in God's kingdom, in light of God's kingdom. And here, as we just heard read for us, he places three images, three pictures, with two contrasting things on each one opposing choices and consequences. You know, three questions about our heart and lives. Where will we put our treasure? On earth or heaven? What is the state of our eyes, healthy or unhealthy? And who is the master, God or money? You see, in every single question, in every single scenario, there are two clear paths. There's two clear choices. Now, Jesus isn't giving us the opportunity to go, okay, I'm just going to sit on the fence. Um, why not both? He doesn't give us that. But this is a timely message, isn't it? I never studied economics or commerce, but the media keep telling me that the economic outlook is not good. More interest rates are likely. And the government has had to cut back spending. People are being stretched thin. And we keep hearing of this mortgage cliff. You know, the uncertainty of this world has become really real in the last few years, hasn't it? Yeah, in terms of COVID, global wars. But you know what I think God's not doing? I don't think God's pouring salt on the wounds and God's not waving his finger and goes, Aha, I told you so. I don't think Jesus is doing that on the Sermon on the Mount. I think Jesus is actually saying, Come to me and I will set you free. Come to me and I will set you free as you trust in me. What I think Jesus is saying is that what I have, what I will give to you will never be taken away. I think Jesus offers us this hope, this joy, this security that the world can never take, but also that the world can never give. So the first image that Jesus brings up is, where is your treasure? You see, the, the issue is not whether you have a treasure or not. I think Jesus assumes we all treasure things, but where is your treasure? As it reveals the location of your heart. That's verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Everyone has a treasure. We all have things that we're storing up. We all have things that we put security into. We all have things that we put our hope into. So, what might that treasure be for you? Is it your study, the pursuit of recognition, perhaps acceptance? Is it our significant other? Or the hope of a significant other. I think in university days, the flexibility and the freedom of options that we have. Perhaps it's just comfort. What I seek, what my treasure is, is just comfort that this world offers. Another way to ask what is your treasure is what is driving you to do what you do? What makes you wake up and go to class, wake up and go to work? What are you working towards and what is driving you? What are you investing into? What do you spend your time when you're trying to fall asleep at night? You're scrolling through on your phone. What are you looking at? What is taking your time, your energy, your efforts and your attention? Look at verse 21 again. He doesn't care much about the treasure, but where your treasure is. There are two options, isn't it? You can store your treasures on earth or in heaven. Look at verse 19. Oop, not that one. There you go. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. It's the idea that what we store up here on earth will waste away. Moths and vermin will destroy. Thieves will break in and steal. Now remember the contrasting idea is pretty clear. Don't store your treasures on earth. Don't place your heart here either. It isn't safe. It isn't good. It will wither away and it will be taken from you. There is no security here on earth. Sorry, a bit quick. But we know that, don't we? When we actually stop and think we know that there is no security here on Earth. That's why in the aisle next to the ice cream, you can get mothballs and mouse traps. That's why every one of our cars has paint on it. Because if we don't, it will rust. That's why we have insurance. We have health insurance, car insurance, home insurance, renters insurance, mortgage insurance. We even have pet insurance. Who here locked their car in their door this morning when they left for uni today? It's not secure. Who here closes your windows when you leave the house or turn the alarm on? Who has a pin on their phone? Even your phone is not secure because you don't want other people going through it. But what we do is that we try our best to make the things that aren't secure, secure, don't we? We try our best to secure the things that aren't secure. And you know, when Jesus was on the certain mount, on side of the mountain in Israel, speaking to his disciples and everyone who was gathered around, to show your wealth and prosperity will be fine clothes, fine linen, expensive rings and gold stuff on your body. You now, for us today, it might be the same thing. We have wardrobes full of clothes, a coin collection, maybe physical, maybe crypto. Who knows? But there's so much more now, isn't there? And when we think about every election that there's been, it's always about making our lives easier. I'll lower your taxes, I'll give you better hospitals, better childcare, I'll give you better roads, airport rail, all that sort of stuff. I think us as Aussies in the Aussie culture, we want security, we want permanency, and we want to have a home, we want comfort. We want to retire well. There was an article written and it named MTS as a bad guy and it had this idea of fire principle. Who's heard of the fire principle? Joash was the first hand up, which was funny. <laughs> What's the fire principle, Joash? Uh, Financial independence, retire early, and that's what Joash is trying to do. <laughs> right? You see, we as a society, we want to be debt free. We don't want to work. We just want to do what we want. Right, so start investing when you're young, then you can f- be financially independent and retire early. You guys might not think much about it at your stage, but this ad's been going around for a few years. You know, it's about Industry Super, you know, this who's seen this ad before, right? Industry Super, you know, you've got Sally and Christine, one goes up the elevator and one goes down the elevator. Right? I don't know where you can read that fine print, but it actually says this past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance and should never be the sole factor when considering a fund. That's all they're promoting. (laughs) Over the past 30 years, Sally's gone up and Christine's gone down. You should come with industry super. But past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. So what are they actually selling? (laughs) I wonder if you've condoed your house. You know, Marie, condo, you go around and pick things up in your house. Does it spark joy? If not, you throw it out. Or you say thank you and then you throw it out. Um, I heard you can't do that with children. (laughs) (laughs) But her, since having kids, has just given up the whole idea of that concept. But you see, even the whole idea of condoing a house shows us something, doesn't it? The vermin, the, the mouse, the moths, they don't even have a chance to eat at your treasures. By that time, it's no longer a treasure in your eyes anyway. What was the latest and greatest is now superseded and slow. Our hearts are that fickle. They don't, we don't need thieves to come in and steal it because we don't care for it anymore. But that's what Jesus says it's like to store up treasures on earth. It isn't going to be secure. But there's an alternative. Look at verse 20. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus saying, Earth not secure. Heaven, on the other hand, very secure. No moths, no, no rats, where there's no thieves. No pandemic, no wars, nothing can touch that treasure nothing can affect it it will last forever it is safe and secure we don't need to take out heaven insurance because it is secure with covid with wars with lockdowns what has that revealed about your heart and where is your heart you know through all that time and even as i was preparing this passage it's a helpful reminder for me to think, what am I storing up? And where is it? It showed me where I find my security, where I find my comfort. And that's the challenge I think Jesus has for us today. But one thing certain, God is always in control. Nothing will take him by surprise. So what does it mean to lay up treasures in heaven? See, because where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. So what does it mean to lay up treasures in heaven? I think John Stott puts it really well. He says, to lay up treasures in heaven is to do anything on earth whose effect lasts for eternity. To lay up treasures in heaven is to do anything on earth whose effects last for eternity. Growing our Christian character to continue to kill sin and to turn independence of God growing our faith and our hope coming to the knowledge and the love of the grace that's found in the Gospels that our salvation is secure in Christ not because of me of what I've done or who I am but because of who Jesus is and what he has done growing in the knowledge of Christ who will see face to face growing in our service of one another To come together, to pray and to serve one another in practical ways, showing Christ's love for us, that is laying up treasures in heaven. You know, I follow the Christian Union Monash page. It was encouraging to see you guys out handing out hot cross buns. Whether people engaged or not, living and speaking the gospel to those who don't yet know Jesus, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus matters because that's laying up treasures in heaven. and bring it back to more where Jesus is bringing it, about money growing in our generosity, the use of our money and our time for the growth of the gospel, not just here at Monash, not just here in Melbourne, but across Australia and across the world. That's the investment that will pay dividends. That's everlasting and for all eternity. By doing these things and other things, they are the treasures that will last. Because these things have an eternal Kingdom impact. As people hear the good news of Jesus. As people turn to God and are saved for all of eternity. It's interesting because we always try to think that Jesus is trying to ruin our lives. Jesus is just the killjoy. He just doesn't want us to have fun. He's the fun police. But you know what? I think he's trying to give us true joy because he's saving us from the endless pursuit of better the fruitless pursuit of the faster and the newer and the prettier because our hearts will never be satisfied by those things because those things don't last for where your treasure is there your heart will be also it's a way of having our hearts on earth it's a way of moving our hearts from earth to heaven to care about things that are eternal so what are you spending your time your effort and your energies on what are you spending your money on if you were to give your calendar and your bank statement to someone else by looking at those things where would they say your treasure is things on earth or things in heaven where is your heart today now if you have money in the stock market you'll hope every day that's green and not red If you have your comfort as your treasure, you'll run from anything that causes you grief or anxiety. If you have relationships at the centre, then whenever there's conflict, your hearts will be troubled. I'm not saying don't invest, don't have relationships, don't try to be comfortable. But these things, if they become the ultimate thing, become a really sad reality of what living in this world looks like. What are you placing? Where are you placing your joy? Where are you placing your hope? Where are you placing your security? If you're not investing into your church family or the relationships that are here at CU, if you don't give to mission organizations or missionaries, church planting, evangelism with your finances, your time, and your prayer, then you won't care one bit whether they go well or not. Because you're not invested into it. When they do well, you won't care one bit because you're not invested into it. You won't be as joyful and you won't be as glad. Think about why sports betting is such a massive industry. If you place a bet on a footy game, on a horse, whatever it is, you would watch that game. You would watch that horse race because you want them to win, because you're invested into it. You've put your hard-earned cash there and you want it to give you returns. When you're not invested into things, your heart's not going to be there. So what Jesus is saying, where is your treasure? He doesn't want you to waste your time. He doesn't want your heart to be in a place that's insecure and doesn't truly satisfy you. So friends, treasure the things of heaven. Lay up your treasures in heaven and your heart will follow. You know, that's where there's true joy, true peace, satisfaction, and security. Things that are eternal, things that are secured in Christ, none of anything in this world. See, the next image is, what are our eyes like? It moves from the heart to the eyes, and the importance of having a healthy eye. You know The body physically finds its base face finds its place based on sight but Jesus uses this as a spiritual analogy what are your eyes fixed upon where are our minds and our attention focused on what are the state of our eyes and what your eyes look at would shape everything else our eyes matter and that's why he says this the eye is the lamp of the body if your eyes are healthy your whole body will be full of light but if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, many years ago, I did this driving course. It uh, teaches defensive driving, all that sort of stuff. And we were at um, Winton Raceway, and the instructor said, um, when you're driving and you look in the corner, you have to look at where you want to go. Don't look, don't look at the tree that's in the middle of the corner. Because if you look there, you'll naturally move towards that direction. I remember at that point going, why did anyone plant that tree in the right in the middle of the corner? (laughs) It's just the dumbest spot to have a tree because you're going to hit it because the whole time you're like, don't hit that tree, don't hit that tree, don't hit that tree. You know, Just as before, where your treasures are, your heart will be there also. What we are looking at, what we are filling our minds with and what we are pointing our heart towards is what we're looking at. The people that you want to have the places that you want to be the things that you want to have or maybe you're just looking into a mirror and you want to be noticed respected and loved friends are we letting our eyes wander are we looking at the things of this world or looking at things that last are we looking at things that will bring in light or things that will bring in darkness See, Jesus earlier in the Sermon on Mount mentions that whoever looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The eyes look at the woman and the heart's already committed adultery. So I think the heart and the eyes are linked. If we get unhealthy eyes, we'll have unhealthy hearts. If we focus on the wrong thing, look at verse 23. There will be darkness. And how great is that darkness? See, this world promises pleasure. The thing is, it kind of does deliver on that promise. It does bring you pleasure, but only temporary, only fleeting. The promise that money makes, that sex makes, that porn makes, that addiction makes, it delivers for a time and only for a time. This world knows the longing of your hearts. And those things that give you that high but it'll also enslave you. The lie that God doesn't want good for us, but the world has the good for us. That's a lie ever since Genesis. Since the Garden of Eden, Genesis, when Satan tempts Adam and Eve, what does he say? God's given you a command, but he doesn't really want the best thing for you. This is the tree of good and evil. He's hiding things from you. He's keeping the best things away from you. That's what the Satan says to Adam and Eve. And that's what the world constantly reminds us of. If we focus on worldly pleasures or pursuits, we are focusing on false gods. We'll lose our values and our whole lives. I grew up in an Asian church, and I remember one young preacher once in a youth group came and said this line, Christian guys will be led away by their careers, and Christian girls will be led away by guys. Well, it's been a long time since I've been in a youth group, but I think that works either way. You guys, at Monash CU, one of the top universities in Australia, if not the world, you'll be led away by your careers, and you'll be led away by guys and girls. It was said so long ago, and it's proven so true. I've seen so many of my friends friends I was in youth group with, at uni with, who've just given up on church for the sake of a relationship, for the sake of the career. Friends, I hope and really pray that your eyes won't be filled with darkness, but will be filled with light. We become what our eyes behold. So take a moment to think, what are you looking at? What are your eyes like? what are they longing and striving for see Jesus in the Sermon on Mount just wants people to focus on him he wants our minds to be filled with him he wants us to long for him he wants to fill us with that light that is real and good and true and best for us and if two images wasn't enough Jesus gives us the third who is your master? Is it God or money? Which is it going to be? Look at me at verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know, a lot of things in life we can have two of. You know that taco ad? Yeah, hard tacos, soft tacos, why not both? Great, everyone has a good time, big celebration, yay. But you can't have God and money. You can have two best friends, you can have two jobs, you can have two hobbies, many things you can have two or more of. You can't have two masters. You aren't able to love God, devoted to Him, and be dating money on the side. You have to choose, it's a whole life issue. You know, growing up in the church, I had this idea that I want God to be number one in my life. I want God to be number one in my priorities, in the decisions that I make and what I do. But I was challenged that that wasn't actually right. You don't treat God as a priority. Romans 12 says, In light of God's mercy, my whole life is to be a living sacrifice to God. Everything is His. My mind, my energies, my life belongs to God. In light of His mercy... So, if I put God at number one in my priorities, yeah, I'll, I'll think about God, but it's almost just like a to do list. I'll tick him off and I'll move on to the next thing. But everything revolves around who he is and what he has done for me. So, Jesus says if you go about serving two masters, this is what will happen you'll hate one and love the other, you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Have you ever found yourself in this situation? serving two masters it's pretty tiring we try to serve two masters we'll grow tired of being pulled in one direction or the other being forced to choose one way or the other you know sometimes we think you know living this world is just like everyone's on different train tracks and we think god and money they're just on the same train track and we can just jump between either one but they're divergent paths they're leading to two completely different places So is money the master in our lives or is it something else maybe sex money relationships ambition materialism comfort who's the master of your life right now who's the one that you wake up to and goes yep that's what i'll do today who or what are you serving see anything but god is a terrible master Anything but God is a cruel master to serve. See, this world, money, sex, and power, they all say, I will give you happiness once you have me. I will give you the important status. I'll give you recognition. I'll give you love. I'll give you comfort. Come to me and I'll give you security. That's what they all say. Money is a false god. Sex is a false god. Power is a false god. They're all idols. Because only God can give us true joy. Only God has shown us our true worth by sending his own son to die for us, by becoming a man and dying for us. Only God has shown us true love by giving us his son to die in our place for our sins. Only God can give us true security and true comfort. He is the one that's sovereign over all creation. Nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing in this world is secure. COVID kind of shook the cage a little bit. Everything's going back to normal. But nothing in this world is secure. It's not a new problem. Jesus said this 2,000 years ago. And he speaks to us all today. Where do you want your treasures? Where do you want your heart? What are your eyes set upon? Who are you going to serve? You know, at the end of this passage, God and money both of them say, live for me set your life after me, set your gifts and your talents for me, think about me, put your treasure in me, believe in me, obey me, worship me, trust me. Both God and money say the same thing, but they're not the same kind of master. Money will beat you down, but Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Money takes our lives and enslaves us, but Jesus says, come, I have come to set you free. Money will leave us longing for more and more and more. And Jesus says, come to me and drink and you'll never be thirsty again. Money says, come and serve me. But Jesus says, come. I did not come to serve, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. See, Jesus isn't a killjoy. He's not here to ruin our lives, but he's here to save it. He's not here to restrict our lives, but he's here to give us the fullest life. He wants us to enjoy Him, to treasure Him and to bring us true happiness and true security. We don't need to come to God with anything. God has given us everything in Christ Jesus and He's inviting us to do the same. He's inviting you to do the same, is to come to Him, to find rest, to find security and to find joy in Him. If you're a follower of Jesus, this might be a time for you to rethink. Has my heart been tethered to the things of this world? Has the wrong thing caught my eye? Am I battling between two masters? Come back to the gospel. Come back with grace and set your hearts and eyes on Christ. If you're exploring Christianity, if you're new to this whole thing, nothing in this world will satisfy you. Search all you want. You'll never find what satisfies. you you in this world the longings and the yearnings of your heart can only be satisfied by Christ and he's saying to you come and to trust in me He's saying to you come and I will set you free let me close by reading this passage from Isaiah I think it sums up what Jesus is warning us and what he wants to give us Now, this passage in Isaiah was written four or five hundred years before Jesus Um, gave this sermon. Let me read it to us. Isaiah 50, verse 1 to 5 says this. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good. And you'll delight in the riches of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. Sorry. See, I've made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of all the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you will not know and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, he has endowed you with splendor. Friends, come to Jesus. Place your heart and your eyes on him.
0: Thank you for listening to this Monash Christian Union Bible Talk. We long to see everyone at Monash University know a disciple-making disciple of Jesus Christ. If you have been blessed by this ministry and would love to support Monash Christian Union, you can do so via the link in the podcast description.